All right. Anyone else want to join us up here? Jesus and Mary Lee, right here. <laughs> All right. Well, you guys, did you have a good Christmas? Yeah, seeing heads nodding. Get everything that you wanted? Mostly? Yeah? All right, good. All right, I have a couple of review questions for you, and I don't know who was here last Sunday. Anybody here last Sunday that was here for the message? Isla Kay and Birdie, yes, and Marley and Emma. Okay, so maybe y'all will be able to respond to these questions. Phil taught that message, and in that teaching that he gave last week, we see that God had a promise for Abraham. Do you remember what that promise was that God gave to Abraham? To make him a great nation. Very good. You, paid, you not only paid attention, but you also remembered through the whole week of Christmas, you were able to remember that. That's much better than I was able to do. So yes, a promise of a great nation through which the world would be blessed. So this promise is very important. And God would affect this promise by giving Abram a great family and a great land. Remember, he, he had the land of Canaan, and he was promised a great family. Why did God walk between the dead animals in the covenant that he was making with Abraham? Why was that important? Do you remember? So it was... Uh, it was to symbolize that God was going to make a promise, not by any man, but he was making a promise by himself, by his own life. And that's why God walked through the animals and the, that were, um, they were killed and they were dissected and they were placed on either side of this path. And by God walking through that, he was making a promise upon his very own life. And we know that God is eternal and God is sovereign. So for him to make a promise like that, we can be sure that his promise would be, um, would be fulfilled. That God never goes back on a promise. So that was one of the reasons that he did that in walking between those animals. It symbolized to Abram that God was going to come through on his promise. So we have three questions for you this morning before we begin our reading of the text. So the first one is, who was Hagar? All right, that's the first question. Who was Hagar? The second one is, how long were Abram and Sarai, how long did they live in the land of Canaan at this point? Okay, so be listening for that when I read. And then also, how did Sarai try to fix the problem of her not being able to have children of her own? Okay, so those are the questions. And I'm going to read to you from Genesis chapter 16, verses 1 through 6. So you listen in here for the answers to those questions. Who was Hagar? How long had Abram and Sarai lived in the land of Canaan at this point of the reading? And how did Sarai try to fix the problem? problem of her not being able to have children. All right, you guys ready? Genesis chapter 16, verses 1 through 6. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. So after Abram had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. 
And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. So here's the questions again. I tried to put some emphasis on the answers that I just read, but who was Hagar? Do you all remember? Uh, go ahead, Isla Kay. Uh, it was Abraham and uh, Sarai, Egyptian, Egyptian servant. Wow, I thought you were just going to say servant, but you even included her nationality, so that's great. You really were listening. All right, here's the second question. How long had Abram and Sarai lived in the land of Canaan at this point? Ten years. All right. Were you going to say that, Canaan? All right. I think you all caught that. I said that really loud, right? Ten years. And how long did Sarai try to, or how did Sarai try to fix the problem of her not being able to have children? I'll go with Marley this time. She told her servant to have a baby with Abram to get married to him and they could conceive a child together and she thought that would fix the problem, right? But we're going to see here that did not fix the problem. That's what we read. So let's, uh, let's talk about this a little bit. Remember the review questions and what Phil taught last week. What did God do? He confirmed a promise to Abraham. He made a promise by himself that he was going to do exactly what he said he would do for Abram to receive this blessing that his family would be increased and that his land would prosper. And that was the promise that Abram was supposed to trust in because God had made it by himself and he knew that God would not go back on his promises. And God over and over again gave him several opportunities to listen to this promise and to hold to it. So God pointed him to the stars and saying, behold, these are the stars. This is what your family in the future is going to look, look like. God had walked alone between the bloody animals, remember, as a sign of that covenant, that he would give a son of promise that would be born to Abram and Sarai, even though they were beyond years of conceiving children, that there would be a great family through Abram. But the important thing is, is that this promise was connected to something that would happen in the future, and that would be a future son of promise in Jesus Christ. That this promise was looking ahead to the fulfillment of and the realization of salvation through God Himself in His Son, Jesus Christ. So that is something very important to cling to and trust in. And Abram believed him, right? Said he believed him, that God made the promise, and Abram, I, I believe you, God. But do you ever get impatient when you're waiting on something? How many of you probably had some presents under the tree that were sitting there for a couple of weeks? And you just wanted to break into them immediately. Right, yeah, Benjamin. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <clears throat> Actually, I don't think I had any presents under the tree this year. I must have not been very good. But, but you, know, you know that feeling of getting impatient and not waiting till the appropriate time when it's supposed to happen. Well, let's say you know, you're expecting to get this nice present. Maybe you want some Legos, Benjamin, right? No, okay, well. Or Pokemon cards or something like that. Yeah, oh, okay, a coin collector. And you, you know this presence for you, and you know it's got to be these coins. And then you wait till everybody's asleep, and it's still two days before Christmas, but you decide to break into it anyway. 
and you find out it's the wrong gift and it's a Barbie. Did you want that? No, I can see your face. You didn't want that. <laughs> see, that's, that's acting on your impatience and doing something before it's time. And we see that Abram and Sarai did the same thing. They did not wait for God's promise to be fulfilled in them what he claimed he would do. Instead, they took matters into their own hands. But they waited 10 years, right? That's a pretty long time. You didn't have to wait 10 years to open that present. But they had to wait 10 years, and still the promise had not yet been fulfilled, but God was going to come through. He was just taking his time. But they took matters into their own hands, and Sarai took Hagar and convinced Abram to marry her and have children with her. Was this a bad idea? It was a bad idea. But was Sarai the only one who was wrong here? Was it just her that was wrong? Who else was wrong? Abram was wrong. right? It said he listened to his wife, Sarai, which means he didn't listen to God. He had the opportunity to listen to God and then to affirm with his wife saying, trust me, God has given us a promise. We need to wait. But no, he listened to her and he acted before it was time. Go ahead, Isla Kay. That also happened with Exactly. Did you get my notes before we started? No, but yeah. Who did, who did Adam listen to instead of God? He listened to his wife, right. And then things started to go way wrong after that. What seemed was the right thing to do, what seemed was good, was actually the wrong thing. And it was actually sin. And they sinned. They sinned against God's design of being married to one woman. So Abram was married to Sarai, but what he took Hagar as his wife too. So they disobeyed God's law. And then they also did not trust God to provide. And they took action apart from God's plan. And that plan seemed to work at first, right? What happened? Hagar got pregnant, right? And they must have things like, yes, I did this and I got it. But then things really backfired on them. What happened? How did Hagar treat Sarai after she became pregnant? There's a word that is used there. Yeah, Sarai was jealous. Because Hagar was looking at her with contempt. And Sarai probably thought, there's no way that she's going to give up her son and give, give Ishmael to me. But that's who the baby is, by the way. We'll learn later on. But the promise son had not yet happened through Sarai. And Hagar now had, was pregnant. And it was like somebody looking at you and having something that you didn't have. And it's like, look what I got. You don't have it. You can almost see that that's what Hagar was doing to Sarai. That she was teasing her about her being pregnant and Sarai not being able to get pregnant. And so what did Sarai do? She became really angry, right? And she basically kicked the servant, Hagar, out of their home, out from under the blessing of Abram's household. And Hagar ran away because Sarah was mean to Hagar. But Hagar treated Sarai with contempt. So you can understand why Sarai was, was angry with her. But all of this was because of their disobedience and their sinning against God. And I think this is a picture of us too, isn't it? In how we will sin sometimes. Like we don't want to trust in God and wait for a time that is supposed to happen. And we try to force that to happen. I think there's a lot of people that are in debt today that they're in financial debt, seriously financial debt, almost to the point of bankruptcy, because they acted on things before they were supposed to or when they weren't even supposed to. And that's just an image of how we can take things into our own hands and try to do good for us 
when it wasn't part of God's plan for us. But the real picture here that we're supposed to see is our eternal salvation. God is giving us of what happens when we think that we can save ourselves. Do you think that you can save yourself apart from God's saving work? No, we should see heads shaking here. But when we try to make our way to God in an attempt to save ourselves, it's always going to backfire on us. We might make up ways. We might take part in religious activities like thinking that we come to church and that should save us. We might think that I have to be baptized in order to be saved or I have to take communion with my parents in order to be saved or I have to talk to the pastor and he has to lead me through this prayer in order for me to be saved. And it's all I, 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 right? All those statements were I-focused. Abram and Sarai's sin was I-focused. They wanted the promise now and they were going to do whatever it took to make that happen. And when they did that, it, didn't, it wasn't according to God's plan. We need to wait and trust that the God who saves will save. His salvation is sure because he's promised it and it is eternal. And his salvation is realized through the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. In John 14, 6, it says, Jesus says, I am the way. And the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. That we are saved through the gift of God's Son, Jesus Christ, who God gave us because of His great grace. Jesus Christ is the promise fulfilled to save us from sin and give us eternal life. And it's not on anything that we have done. We don't force ourselves and open the gift before it's ready. That God has given us the gift of His Son, Jesus Christ. And we receive Him by faith in this gift of grace that God has given us. In Titus 3, 4 through 7, it says, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us. Not according to works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So the main idea of this story is seeking God's salvation by our own works is always going to lead to disaster. If we think we have earned our salvation by something that we have done, then we have a wrong idea about our salvation. That is the work of God and is the work of God alone. So if we're thinking we earned it and we step into eternity before God and we have to appear before Him and answer for the things that we did and we cannot say that we received the gift of His salvation through His Son, Jesus Christ, that we thought it was something on our own, then we will perish into eternity apart from God. It is only because of God's grace and what He has done for us. So what was wrong with Abram taking Hagar as his wife? He didn't say no. He listened to her. And he rebelled against God's law that says marriage between one man and one woman. So he had another wife in Hagar, and he forgot God's promise that it was going to be in God's appointed time. And what happened when Abram and Sarai tried to get God's blessing by their own works? It became a disaster, right? It all fell apart because it was put together by man. It was man's plan. It wasn't God's. So what does this story teach us about our salvation? Go ahead, Alec. Follow God and trust in Him and realize salvation is His gift of grace to us, right? He saves us, not according to our works, but by his own mercy, that we have to call out to him, say, God, I'm unable, but you are able. Please save me. 
and we profess our faith in his son Jesus Christ and what he has done for us on the cross, and that he gives us eternal life, that we are justified by his resurrection from the grave. So this is the end of our, our message today. I hope you've learned something from it. But we're going to pray. We're going to, first of all, praise God for the greatness of his grace, and then also pray for faith to trust in him alone for salvation. All right, let's go to him in prayer. Father, I thank you for these young souls that you have put into this, this church, and have they've come and they've listened to this message that your spirit would just do that work that only you can do upon them, Lord, just that pouring out of your grace, Father, that you would restore and change lives that are marred with sin as we've taken our own abilities and we've tried to usurp your power in salvation from you, God, with religious acts and works of our own. I I pray for your forgiveness if that's been any of us here, that we would simply receive this free gift that you have given to us through your son, Jesus Christ, and through him alone. And we thank you for this great gift of mercy and grace in your one and only son who came to this earth to live a life that we could not, a perfect life, to be that example for us, to die the death that we deserved on the cross, and to rise again from the grave to prove that it's this life that he gives us is eternal. We thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you may go be seated with your families.